Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome today as we continue in our Heavens Library Books and More series. We're on the next to the last lesson today. In the last few lessons, we've seen how God has books and mementos, memorials, where he keeps record of those to inventory evils even that are transpiring and accumulating so that they become ripe for judgment until and unless sinners repent. Then we saw in the last episode, the book of the Lord's wars, a record of the various wars that God engages in and how these prove that he is the victor, including the final wars that are yet to come, but that we're told guarantee his victory. As we near completion of this series, I want us to focus these last two episodes on two additional special books. And we're going to dive into these, into the first of these today. The first one we're going to look at is what we call the Book of Deeds. Maybe it can be referred to as the Book of Actions. The Book of Deeds. Let's remind ourselves of many books and other special mementos that God keeps in heaven that we've studied throughout scripture in detail over the last 14 lessons. Scripture indicates that this library is vast and contains these and perhaps even more than what we even know about. But I want to start us out today talking about the book of deeds or actions. And I want us to read a couple of verses, a few verses in Daniel chapter 7. We're going to start out first by reading in Daniel chapter 7 verse 9 and 10. Daniel is seeing this vision here, and he says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. So here Daniel is explaining the revelation that he sees of the throne room of God in God's glory. Same as Isaiah saw in Isaiah 6. Same as Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel chapter 1. Same as Micaiah saw in 1 Kings chapter 22 and 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Each of these individuals in the Old Testament saw more details that give us the revelation of the throne room of God, and it all concurs with what we find in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Micaiah saw God on the throne with angels all around him, his host. Isaiah saw God on the throne with his robe filling the temple and the four living creatures ministering to him and the altar. Daniel saw God on the throne and other thrones that were empty at that time. Ezekiel gives us details about the wheels and the fiery glory of the Lord. In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we discover who it is that will seat these thrones that Daniel saw. Daniel saw thrones set up, but he didn't see anybody sitting on them. That's because Daniel was in the time before those who are going to be seated show up. The seated ones in Revelation 4 and 5 are the 24 elders. 
representing the church, which Peter calls in 1 Peter chapter 2, the royal priesthood. This was unfamiliar and a mystery in the Old Testament, but revealed in the New. But all of their visions of the Lord on his throne match perfectly. They're just more details in different ones. Thousands of angels were ministering before him. And notice in Daniel's vision, he said books, plural, were open in Daniel's sight. Well, what books? Well, let's consider that. Part of the understanding of this passage and what Daniel is seeing is the timing of this vision to Daniel and what that timing represents. Chapter 7 of Daniel reveals the Ancient of Days. He is the timekeeper, the God of the ages. If you are interested, I do have a series on the names of God titled Run, Kitty, Run. And in that, we did three volumes, many lessons. But in that series, one of the names of God that we covered is the Ancient of Days. And we show how it means in the context, he's the timekeeper. He's the God of the various ages. He's the God controlling all the various empires. Because this whole chapter is about the various empires that will arise on the earth. All the way from Babylon, which was Daniel's day, through the Antichrist kingdom, which Daniel calls the little horn in this chapter. Then there's a sequence between verse 9 and 10 and the next section that we're going to read, verse 13 and 14. This event happens between those two times, between the time that Daniel sees his vision of the Lord on his throne with the empty thrones around him, the court that that is to be seated, all the way through to when the court is seated and Jesus is coming back. But in between that time, there are these other empires that are spoken of, and Daniel is specifically interested in the Antichrist kingdom, the little horn that is coming on the scene until he is destroyed. At the final battle of Revelation chapter 19, covered in the last episode, the Book of Wars, notice in this time frame, Jesus is now being given the kingdom. Let's see that. In verse 13 and 14, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So Daniel here is speaking of the coming of Jesus when he is given the kingdom, perhaps given the scroll from the earlier lesson, because it is through the opening and executing of that scroll and its contents that then this final war happens. The beast is sent to the lake of fire, fulfilling verse 11 here in Daniel chapter 7. And then Christ is given that eternal kingdom. So the whole context here is the same time frame of 
Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 20. Daniel just sees little bits and pieces, the highlights of it. Notice that this passage is referring to a special event in the heavenly scene. Maybe speaking of the one-time event that we will talk about today, or perhaps it's speaking of more than that in verse 9 and 10. Verse 13 and 14 correlate with Revelation chapter 5 and the scroll being given to Jesus, that title deed, that glorious kingdom, that inheritance, which we covered in the episode entitled The Scroll. In verse 9 and 10, this may correlate also with Revelation 4 and 5. Perhaps it even is covering the entire scene from Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 20. Our focus today is on the correlation with one event in Revelation chapter 20 following the second coming of Jesus and his millennial kingdom reign. This event will happen at its end when the final futile attempt to battle against him is squelched by fire from God in heaven. Nobody even fights in that battle. God just sends fire down and poof, they're gone. They're done. They're toast. What I'm talking about here is the book of deeds or actions. So to understand this, we're going to Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is a very serious event that is ahead, but it is one that is most certain to come. It is called technically the Great White Throne Judgment. In teaching the Word of God, we must teach the whole counsel of God, the truth of the gospel, all of the fundamentals of the faith. We cannot ignore anything because it's unpleasant and we don't particularly like it. We have to be true to the Word of God. And so as a minister of the Lord that He has called and ordained for me to teach His Word, I must be found faithful. And so therefore I must teach the whole counsel of God. In Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, we're going to read several verses. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, 
let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Eternal judgment is one of the fundamentals of the Christian faith that needs to be taught and understood because of its truth and the fact that it applies to every single person who has and is alive, who has ever lived and who is alive and every other one that may come before this event happens. The Bible speaks of two judgments. One of those is for the believers. It is the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ, and we covered that in detail in what's called the Book of Remembrance in that episode earlier. I also have an entire series entitled Beaming at the Bema, and I go into detail about the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. You're welcome to go back and, and research those for more information. There are two judgments spoken of, and every single person that has ever lived is alive or will come to live before Jesus returns and before this coming day, will stand at one of these two judgments. The choice is yours as to which one you will fall under. There's one for the believers and there's one for the unbelievers. Those who refuse to repent, they continue in willful sin, rejecting Jesus Christ. They will not accept his offer of salvation. They will not be born again. They will not repent. This judgment is what we speak of today, called the Great White Throne Judgment. It is the final judgment and sentencing for all and every sinner who has refused Jesus Christ. This is their coming in, period. Scripture agrees with that in several other places. Three other witnesses attest to this, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 24, and Mark chapter 9, verse 43 through 48. Every person will stand before God and give an account, either at the Bema Seat or at the Great White Throne Judgment. The Great White Throne Judgment has books associated with it. I believe that one of those books is the book of deeds or actions. The primary reason we call it that is because everyone at the great white throne judgment will be determined, their eternal judgment and sentencing determined by their deeds, by their works, by their actions. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, it says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, it says this, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But I know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. 
Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. So God is warning us here about this coming judgment. There is coming a judgment. We have Solomon telling us that. We have John the Apostle seeing it in Revelation and telling us that. In Acts chapter 17, we read these words also. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So here's another confirmation from the scripture that everything will be judged and everyone will be judged. Paul also writes it in Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul writes this. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise or commendation will come from God. And in Job chapter 34, verses 10 through 12, it says this, Therefore listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to commit iniquity. For he repays man according to his work and makes man to find a reward according to his way. Surely God will never do wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice. So all of these attest to the fact that God is going to judge every person based on their works at a coming day, whether their works are good or evil. This coming judgment is undeniable and certain. The question is, will you be judged by your own deeds and words without the righteousness of Jesus applied to you without the blood of Jesus having washed away your sins? Let's look at a few scriptures about that. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, Jesus is speaking and he says this, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 7 says this, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, Paul writes these words. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 
selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So all of these works and all of these words that people are doing willfully, refusing to repent, refusing to call upon the Lord and receive eternal salvation, be washed free of their sins, and under the lordship and authority of Jesus Christ and his word, all of these that people are doing, those people will not inherit eternity with God. Their names are not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're going to talk about the Lamb's Book of Life in the last episode, in the next coming episode, which will be the last one in this series. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Bible says that no one is righteous. No, not one. Not one is good. Only Jesus was the sinless one. Only Jesus is the sinless one. Only Jesus remains the sinless one. But he imparts to his believers, to those who will repent of their sins, call upon him and be saved, be born again, washed free of their sins and come under his lordship and receive him and come and follow him. Those he distributes to them because they are justified by faith alone before the Almighty God. He will give us a robe of righteousness granted to us because we believed in Jesus for the redemption of our souls. We will be judged at the Bema Seat judgment, but those who refuse Jesus will stand at the great white throne judgment. The question is, which one will you be in? Which one? That's the question that each and every individual person must answer. No one can answer that for you. You must answer it yourself. You must make your own choice. I pray you make the right choice. I pray you come to Jesus. Notice this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence or the superiority of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That's the righteousness that God will give to us when we believe in him, when we know him, when we repent of our sins and call upon him. And then we're not judged by our own works of evil, but we've been granted that robe of righteousness. And the righteousness of God has been granted to us. We will answer at the Bema Seat for faithfulness and how we have handled the stewardship that God entrusted to us. The choice is yours as to which one of these judgments you will be in, but you will stand before one or the other. 
This event, the Great White Throne Judgment, will be closure and finality on all who have rejected Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the Savior of the world. It's not pleasant, but it's 100% true, and we must testify and proclaim the whole counsel of God. In spreading the gospel, let's remember, this is something that we've lost in today's society. Let's remember the words of the apostles. First of all, I want to read Jude chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. And on some, having compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. This is talking about preaching the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, telling people about the word of God, telling people about the Lord, telling people about Jesus and the gospel from beginning to end in the word of God. Recognize that some need to be reached through compassion, through love, through mercy, through grace, that kind of preaching that Jesus loves you and cares for you. Yes, that will minister to some. And when some get that revelation, they will be born again of the Spirit of the living God because they'll come to see the God of love and mercy who's called for them and who's provided the answer for them. But Jude makes a distinction here and he says, but there are others who they need to be reached through fear. You need to get them by understanding what's their end. This is what we used to call in the old days kind of a hellfire and brimstone preaching. And nowadays, nobody wants to go there. But Jude clearly tells us here that some will be reached through fear, through realizing what's ahead for them and that it is final the whole truth. Yes, he's a God of love and mercy, grace and mercy to ransom and redeem us in the very first place. But also we must also proclaim he is a God of justice. There are opportunities given to every single person to receive Jesus Christ, even to those who may never have a Bible or hear the gospel directly. Even through nature, there's a proclamation of the creator God who can and is found by all who will seek him in truth. And I don't mean by worshiping nature. nature. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's people who can look out and see that there had to be a creator. When you see a watch, there's got to be a watchmaker. Not just anybody can put a watch together. There's somebody who knew what he was doing that created that thing and has made it workable. You reach out and you call out to the creator God to the one who made that. We don't worship nature. We worship the living God who created it. But for all who resist and reject him until their very last breath in death, God's justice comes to bear. His word is truth, the entirety of it. We're told in Psalm 119 and in John chapter 17. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it tells us that all have sinned, every single person, and come short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Both are true. The wages of sin is what you will face if you reject God. It will be eternal spiritual death, and your destination will be in hell, the lake of fire. 
eternal torment forever. The place where the worm never dies and stops crawling on you. The place where there is utter darkness to the point that it is eerie and your skin crawls. The place of utter isolation where there's no camaraderie, there's no partying there. It's utter isolation, unquenchable thirst and hunger, and there is no relief and no escape. That's the destination for all who will face the great white throne judgment. Or they could have received in this life the free gift, the grace and mercy that redeems us from the penalty and the death sentence of that lake of fire. Because Jesus paid our death penalty for us in our place as our substitute, just like was depicted to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. He paid our ransom. In Psalm 49, verse 7 and 8, it talks about how the ransom for the souls of men is very costly, and there's only one person who could pay it. And Peter tells us we're not redeemed by silver and gold or perishable things. We're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb, who was slain from the foundation of the world. And he was slain for you, beloved friend. He was slain for you. The choice is yours to make, but you must make the choice before your last breath, which you do not control, nor do you know when that will be. So my advice to you, I implore you today, be saved. Don't put it off. Today is the day of salvation, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. We're in the acceptable year of the Lord that Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2 spoke of and that Jesus attested when he came. This is the acceptable year. This is the age of grace still ongoing. Come to know Jesus today. Don't wait or else if you end up breathing your last breath, that you weren't counting on. Before you came and you were born again, you will be judged one day by the book of deeds and actions and the omission of your name from the Lamb's book. And you will find your destination to be the lake of fire. The whole overview of Revelation, I encourage you to do this challenge. You don't have to, but I encourage you to do this. The key thing in the book of Revelation is the Next thing that we're going to talk about, the Lamb's Book of Life. Whether your name is there or whether it is not, this is the end and eternal consequences for those whose names are not there is the great white throne judgment. That's the end. That's the eternal consequences when your name is not found there. In the next episode, we're going to look at what is the Lamb's Book of Life, who gets in it and how, why is it called the Lamb's Book of Life, when does a name get written there and why does it matter? My challenge to you is at some point in the very near future, read the entire book of Revelation over maybe two or three days. It's only 22 chapters. You can read seven chapters a day or 10 or so chapters a day, 11 chapters a day. Finish it in two or three days. The reason I give you that and I suggest that to you is because that's what the Lord did with me one year, many years ago. And it boiled down the book of Revelation to this key element for me. Your name is either in the Lamb's book of life or it is not. And Revelation gives you the wrap up 
for everyone whose name is not there and for everyone whose name is there. It's very sobering, but it's very true and certain. I challenge you, I encourage you to do that. And in the next episode, we're going to look at the Lamb's Book of Life as we close out this series with that message. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And if you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please don't put it off. I implore you to call upon his name and be saved today. I implore you to repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you and come into your heart and wash you clean and make you brand new. And if you mean it in your heart, he will do it. He will do it for you right now, wherever you are, at home, in your car, wherever you are. God will do it for you if you're sincere and you mean it. And he will then place your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you've got an eternity of greatest things in life that you could not even beyond what you could even imagine, actually, to look forward to with him. I pray that you make your destination sure today. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Join us again for future episodes of this series as we close it out and for other messages and series that we bring to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.